Hi, I'm Dirk Friel, co-founder of Training Peaks, and you're listening to the Training Peaks Coachcast. I'll be sitting down with expert endurance coaches and amazing athletes, each with special stories to tell. At its heart, Training Peaks is about helping you create the best journey possible towards your endurance goals. We hope these stories inspire you to get out there, train with purpose, and never be afraid to sign up for that next big challenge. My guest today is Gwen Jorgensen. She is the reigning Olympic champion in triathlon, having won the gold medal at the Rio Olympics in 2016. At the height of her career, Gwen announced she was leaving the triathlon world in order to focus on running alone. Her new goal became qualifying for the 2020 Olympics on the track in the 5,000 and 10,000 meter events. With the 2020 Olympics postponed until next summer, rather than giving up or getting too frustrated, Gwen welcomed this disruption as it gives her one additional year to transition to the new sport. In this special episode of the CoachCast, we solicited our social media followers for questions to ask Gwen. We had a huge response, so I want to thank each of you for your suggestions. I hope you enjoy this episode. All right, Gwen, thanks so much for joining me today. Yeah, thanks, Dirk. I'm excited to be here and hopefully answer some questions. Oh, we got lots of questions. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, this is unique. We've never done this before with a guest, and we actually did it with you one other time. I think way back in April or May, we did an Instagram live for about Q and A. Yeah, it was kind of fun. I felt like we got some really good questions then. Yeah, so we liked that. We wanted to kind of revisit that format. So here we are today. Uh, you know, we sent out an inquiry. In the last few days to our listeners, we got lots of questions back. Um, first, I want to kind of lay the groundwork for where you are in your season. So it might be relative to how you answer some of your questions today. Um, <laughs> you, you sent out a, an update, um, may have been a blog post late September. Yep. And you said it was the first time you've ever taken a break on your own terms. Yeah. And, and I'm referring to, I guess, since I started running. So in my triathlon career, my breaks. I was never injured. I was actually, I don't think I realized how fortunate I was in, in triathlon. People kept saying the number one thing you need to do, Gwen, is stay healthy. And I think I kind of took that for granted until I uh, went over into the running world and, and had some injuries. So yeah, since becoming a professional runner and making that switch in in late 2016, early 2017, I've every break I've either been coming back from a pregnancy or a PRP or having Achilles issue or surgery. And so, yeah, this was the first break I got to take um, just on my turns, like deciding when I was going to take a break, which is pretty yeah, exciting. That had to feel good. It well-deserved. <laughs> yeah. And it's, um, you know, coming back to training has actually been surprisingly quick. Um, you know, our coach said, take some time off. We'll meet again in six or seven weeks. And I was like doing the math in my head. And I was like, if I take two weeks off of running, there's no way I'm going to be at like decent mileage in four weeks, but you really don't lose that much in a two week break. If you're coming off of a really strong, solid base. And so I was able to actually quickly get back into, um, pretty decent mileage. Yeah. Cool. Well, you mentioned that you're the first thing you did was work on form, form, form while my mind and body are fresh and strong. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's for me, I, I did a lot in this break. I was working on my form. I was doing a lot of, um, like running on the treadmill and sending it off to, 
um, my trusted group to give me feedback on form. And then we tried different cues to see how that would transfer over into my running. Um, And I worked a lot on my mental game as well. And I think just having that break gave me a lot of time and energy and space to to work on those things. You know, when you're in full training, I had kind of forgotten. Um, (laughs) When I was on break, I was reading all these books and you know, working on the form and the mental side and all these things. And um, we just started training last week. We had our first week of training and I read zero pages in my books. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's just yeah. exhaustion. Like I kind of forgot. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I spent that time trying to focus on areas where I could improve and, and become a better athlete. Cool. All right. We'll dig into to a bunch of questions here from listeners. So you know, first we're going to start with kind of the world of triathlon. One person is asking, um, you know, why did you make that switch? you know, you're at the height of your career. You're the reigning Olympic gold medalist right now. You won the last Olympics in Rio in triathlon. Um, so why make that big jump, uh, into running? Yeah, I think it's a shock to a lot of people. It was shock. It was a shock to my husband, Patrick, when I, when I told (laughs) him that, and you know, it's a triathlon was the secure thing to do. Um, it was the easy thing to do, but for me, there, there was a few layers and reasons, you know, triathlon chose me, Uh, I didn't choose triathlon. I was recruited into the sport of triathlon. And, Mm -hmm. you know, anytime you're really good at something, I think you have enjoyment. But there were certain areas of triathlon that I just loathed. Um, I, you know, I grew up swimming and had this love for swimming when I was a child. But I just got sick of swimming. And I dreaded going to the pool every day. And I remember my triathlon coach, Jamie, he, you know, sometimes would say, why do you have such a, like, sour face, like when you show up and I'm like, Mm -hmm. I hate this. Like, I don't want to be here. I don't like it. And I think one of the reasons I was able to be a good athlete though, is, you know, we all have areas of our job, no matter what it is that we don't like. And I was able to still bring my best, bring my A game in those areas that I didn't enjoy. So I think that was one reason why I wanted to make the transition. And the other is I'm super motivated by challenges and by things that maybe I can't do, you know, when I first became a triathlete, a lot of people just said, you're just a runner. And there were certain courses, there was a Stockholm race and people were like, that's a horrible course for you. And I ended up pointing that in yeah. um, one of my first years. And then uh, Rio even was a bike technical course. A lot of people mm-hmm. were like, it's going to be awful for Gwen. And for me, I kind of like those challenges. And, you know, I, when I started triathlon, I didn't know how to bike. Like I, I wasn't a good cyclist, but for me, I have this inner drive to master whatever I'm doing. And so running was something that I felt like I had improved my running throughout triathlon, but I hadn't mastered it yet. And I wanted to see like, how fast can I be as a runner? And that's a challenge for me. You know, I knew it wouldn't be easy. Um, It's a new challenge. It wasn't the same thing. Like going back and winning another gold medal in triathlon for me was just kind of like been there, done that. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And so I just wanted a new challenge, something that would excite me every day and, and really push me to my limits. Right. And you actually were going back to running. I mean, you ran in college, you're a big 10 champion, yep. right? Wisconsin. Yep. Yeah. A uh, big 10 champion, the three K five K was NCAA all American. But I remember when I stopped at university, I, so I didn't start running actually in college until my junior year. Uh-huh. And I remember I really wanted a sixth year of eligibility Um, and, and I got denied on that just though, because I felt like I hadn't reached my potential. I was improving every year. And I remember talking to my track coach, Jim Stinsey at the time, and actually Jerry as well, who's my current coach. He was the men's coach at Wisconsin talking to him Mm. as well and saying like, 
you know, I want to run professionally. And, and both kind of were like, eh, you're not really at that level. And through triathlon, my times, I mean, hmm. you know, my first race as a professional runner, I ran 15, 15 in the 5k, whereas in college I was a 15, almost a 16 minute 5k or 1550. Right. So wow. I was able to make those big improvements through, you know, some of my triathlon base and then becoming a professional runner. So, um, you know, I would say I wasn't ready to be a professional runner out of college, but, uh, with the little transition and getting some more base mileage through triathlon, I, I was able to kind of make that tra- transition. Yeah. Super. Uh, another question What is what's your favorite ITU race that you raced? Yeah, I think uh, I have two favorites. One, like if it's a yearly favorite, it was definitely Yokohama. Mm. I, I just love visiting Japan. I feel like everyone is so polite. Everything is so orderly. Things are clean. I love the food there. I love sushi. <laughs> um, I just, I really like the atmosphere and how it was so different from the United States. Um, a lot of the other places we go have more of kind of the Western culture feel to me. And so just experiencing a different culture was something that was exciting to me. Um, and then as well, I loved, I touched on that a little bit earlier, but the Stockholm race, I think Mm. that just brings me so much joy because it was cobblestone on the bike course. It was hilly. Like no one expected me to do well there. And I, I knew I had the capability to perform there and I was able to execute on that day. Nice. Cool. How about what was your first triathlon you competed in? (laughs) Um, so my very first triathlon was actually in high school as part of a college or a, a high school senior project with my friend, uh, one of my high school friends, Maggie Locke, and we actually waited for each other on each leg of the stone bike oh, run. Wow. Awesome. awesome. <laughs> yeah. So it was super cool. Um, but I remember finishing it. Like I'm, I rode my mom's bike and I just finished it and was kind of like, ah, oh, I never need to do that again. <laughs> <laughs> Lo and behold. <laughs> I know. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. Awesome. I think that's the way everybody's first triathlon should be. Have a buddy and they wait for you, you know, wait for, wait for the weakest person at the end of each leg. Yes. I mean, it was super fun. It was just a, yeah, completion thing. And you need, neither of us had ever done a triathlon before. And, um, you know, I think that's the other thing about triathlon. It can sometimes be daunting to do one. You think you need this $10,000 bike and you need all this stuff. And I mean, you can ride a, bike you picked up, you know, at right. the corner mart or whatever. Like it's just, you just need to get out there and be active. Not everyone needs these super high tech things. Um, and I think that's something that's a little bit of a misconception about triathlon. Um, okay. So back to some training questions that maybe relate to training these days. Um, are you still doing any cross training? I want to say yes, but I'm not really. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so I'll cross train. Like if I feel, I think, this past year, I got really good at, oh, maybe this is my body telling me you need a rest. And so I'll either take a complete rest day or I'll bike instead. And having that background in triathlon has been so useful because I don't get super sore then from just doing like a one-off swimmer bike uh, when I am cross-training. But I, you know, when I'm at full mileage and, you know, running 90, 100 plus miles a week, I just don't need that cross-training. You know, what about strength training? Yeah. So, um, I, we do strength training. We're in the gym, uh, Bowerman track club has, uh, we have Pascal who does our our core and we do that, um, three times a week for about an hour, but with COVID and everything going on, um, we haven't really, we haven't been able to meet. And 
So I've been doing a little more core um, just with um, Bobby McGee and, and, and Matt and, and some uh-huh. people that I knew from the triathlon world. And it's been really useful for me just to have that like one-on-one attention and like really work on some of my personal weaknesses. But yeah, I think, you know, in running strength work is, I think more important than in the, the triathlon world, because it is so you're doing one thing over and over and over again. And so you kind of have to work out those imbalances and, and make yourself strong enough to be able to do that same motion constantly. How often do you take a full day off? Probably it, it just, it varies so much. So I want to say once a month, but there can be, you know, three or four months can go by and I haven't taken a day off. Um, so I try to take at least one down day a week, which would include either like a cross training day or like maybe a 40 minute run, which to some people will sound like a really long run. But when my next longest run is, uh, 75 minutes, a 40 minute run is a pretty significant down from that 75 minutes. Yeah. And we should have a disclaimer. I mean, you are Olympic champion (laughs) training to try and qualify for the Olympics. And so by saying, oh, I take one day off a month, you know, I mean, this is not relevant to the majority of of everybody out there, but I think it's it's awesome to hear. Um, But definitely some disclaimers out there in terms of how you interpret, um, you know, your training and how that might relate to to our listeners training. Exactly, Derek. I think, um, you know, even in college, I was taking at least one day off a week. And that's because I had so many other stressors. I had school, I had you just and you know, most people, this isn't their profession. This is my profession, like what I do as my job. And a lot of people have another job um, or or other things going on. And so when you can't dedicate the 100% recovery, um, you won't be able to dedicate the 100% training either. Well, let's let's expand upon that. What about your first year back after uh, giving birth to your son, Stanley? Uh, Did you find you needed more rest or you couldn't do as much volume maybe that first year? I mean, you're breastfeeding. Yeah, I I struggled a lot that year, and I, I think I was naive in in thinking that the I, I breastfed Stanley for like eleven months, and I think I was naive in the fact that I thought that wasn't taking away from my training. But to produce breast milk, it takes a lot of energy, and um, I always had tons of food. Like I had a bunch of extra that we you know were able to freeze away, so we could last him uh-huh. a couple months after I was done, but. Once I stopped breastfeeding, I felt amazing. And I was Mm. just like, wow, like I Mm. didn't realize how much that was taking away from my training. Um, Mm. And and so, yeah, I mean, that that was hard. And I think as well, anyone with kids knows those that first year of the sleep is hit or miss. Um, And and that plays a huge role in recovery. And, you know, I want to have more kids. But for me, I don't think I personally could have another kid and, and come back again. It's just incredibly difficult. Yeah. I certainly don't know anything about breastfeeding, but I <laughs> have a daughter and I do remember doing bottle feedings at, you know, two thirty yeah. in the morning, you know, the, the morning of a race and you have to get up in a few hours to go race. And yep. so, you know, you gotta, uh, take it, you know, as it comes. So, yeah, I appreciate, you know, giving some advice on that. Um, so how many hours or, or let's say miles are you running um, these days uh, per week? Yeah. So, um, you know, right now I just started back training with the team as the first week of practice last week and I hit like 
70s in the 70s for my mileage. Um, mm-hmm. And last year, I would say I got up to like 100. So um, I'm probably going to keep it somewhere between the, the 70 and 100. For me, I like to take like three weeks at a higher mileage and then kind of cut it down um, for every fourth week then um, and just okay. take a little bit of a down week. What about the breakdown of intensity? If you think about your 10K pace, you know, how many days a week are you specifically doing that type of intensity or even 5K pace? Like, Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in like, take your easy days easy so you can make your hard days super hard. Okay. Um, so Jerry has us working out usually twice a week and, and usually one day is shorter speed stuff. Sometimes it's speed endurance. So, um, you know, shorter intervals with a short recovery. So like a 200 hard with a hundred meter jog recovery, um, mm-hmm. that would be like a speed endurance sort of thing. Uh-huh. And, and then the other session of the week, we normally do like 5k, um, ish pace work. And mm-hmm. then usually our long run as well, um, has some sort of work, uh, embedded into it. So, two to three days a week, I would say we're kind of, we're doing that work. And then the other days I normally take it pretty chill. Yeah. Okay. So what's your favorite track workout? Oh, my favorite workout is one K repeats with Mm. like a lot of rest, like two to three minutes, (laughs) like almost (laughs) equal rest to the, uh, to the interval. (laughs) Right. Awesome. Awesome. Um, have you, did you have a recent plateau and, and how have you maybe worked through it with your coach? Yeah. Um, you know, I think just in my running career, I wouldn't say I've had any plateaus just cause there's been so many other factors with Stanley and injuries, but I went through, I would say a, a lot of plateaus in, in triathlon and, and more so mental than, than physical. Um, and, and for me, what we would always do is I really, rely heavily on journaling. And and during those times, I like to go through and kind of read about the things I've been doing well and journaling about. And also sometimes I just take a break. Um, you know, I'm not afraid to, in the middle of a season, take a three-day break and just unplug from all things sport, um, get away a little bit. Don't talk about sport. Don't do sport. You don't lose anything by not training for three days. And mm-hmm. And so that's something that I think really helps me kind of hit the next level when I do feel like maybe I've kind of, uh, plateaued a little bit. Um, as you've switched to just focus on the run, has your actual run form or mechanics changed? Have you tried to change them? Or I just wonder without maybe the cycling, um, have you gotten more efficient? Yeah, I think, um, you know, when you started out this podcast, you talked about my email and me saying form, form, form Mm -hmm. and concentrating on that. And I think for me, my biggest, uh, the thing I always have the most trouble with, and you know, I love it because people on social media always tell me as well. And I'm like, Oh really? I never heard that before. Thank you for telling me my shoulders are too high. Like that's my Mm -hmm. go-to telltale, like thing that I probably have to correct in my running is I get tense in my shoulders and bring my shoulders up. And, um, so for me, I have a lot of cues for that. I think about like, oh, pretend I'm wearing earrings and I'm trying to get my shoulders as far away from the earrings. I don't want them to touch <laughs> these dangly earrings. Like I have mental cues and and things I kind of try to help myself uh, through with that. But um, with form, I feel like 
especially this off season, what I've been working on is um, just getting strength in certain areas and mobility um, to be able to get in that correct form. Um, you know, I think I, for me, I have some, um, it's hard sometimes for me to get my arms back because my lats and like shoulders are a little bit tight. And I don't know if that's from years of swimming or just my posture or whatever it is. But so those are kind of, I've been working with, you know, like PTs and um, people like that to kind of just make sure my body has the range of motion to really get into that um, correct form. Hmm. And you mentioned mobility, you know, range of motion, um, that kind of overlaps with the recovery work. What do you have any daily routines that you go through for mobility or and or recovery? Yeah, um, I have a daily um, like protocol I do, which is mobility that kind of changes based on um, how I progress, I guess, and like what's bothering me. And so like right now, some of it's like um, shoulder mobility, some of it's um, just, you know, hip flexor. But yeah, um, Matthew uh, Pendola is actually writing that for me. And we kind of go through it every week and kind of just see like what's working, what's not. And so I do that daily protocol. And, um, you know, he always wants me to do it daily. And I'm someone who's always brutally honest with people like that or PTs, like PTs sometimes give you exercises and tell you to do them eight times a day. And I just look at them and say, I'm not going to do it eight times a day. Like who has time to do something that much? Uh Um, so for me, like my daily protocol for me personally, I, I say, I can't do it every day. I can do it six days a week and I know I can do it with intent. And, And those are the sort of things that, um, you need to have super focus when you're doing them. And there's no point doing them if you're just going to kind of go through the motions. Right. And do you see payoff from that intent work? I do because, you know, those one day a week when I don't do that, I feel awful running. And so I should Mm. just do it. But, you know, I know that there's a benefit to it because I can actually feel the difference. Um, But I still haven't changed my ways. I still need that one day where I can just unplug. (laughs) Right, right. Absolutely. How about some fueling tips for long runs? What do you, what's, what's your go-to Maybe pre-run, during the run? Well, I'm super excited about... um, So I started working with Scratch Labs when I started running, and I created with them um, Super Fuel because there was nothing on the market that I felt like didn't give me digestive issues but gave me enough calories, especially for marathon training and long runs. And so we created Super Fuel, and um, that's what I use, which I love. Um, I'm probably biased, though, because I was like a taste tester and along with it from the very uh-huh. beginning. But yeah, for me, um, you know, I think when I think back to my younger years, like college and, and high school, I think that was my biggest thing I was lacking was nutrition. You know, I never, I, I was a swimmer growing up and we'd be on the pool deck for three hours and all I would have is water. And I like, that's mm. just silly. Like, Anytime I'm running or doing an activity over like 75 minutes, I make sure that I have fuel. And um, I also really enjoy um, Scratch makes a hyperhydration. And it's actually meant to be like um, if you're like if a kid's sick, like to kind of replenish things. But it has this um, formula in it where it's basically not going to make you pee, but it's going to give you everything you need, um, hydration wise. So you're going to stay hydrated. And so I drink that before hard workouts and long runs so that, um, I get everything I need, but I'm, I'm not having to, uh, go to the bathroom. Yeah. So do you have any history with gut issues? Um, 
Anything that I would say I have a pretty strong gut, but I also, <laughs> you know, I, I take my nutrition as a pro athlete, you know, I don't like, I eat the same thing right before my run every morning. I have the same breakfast every day. Like I'm pretty uniform in, in what I put in my body. And I think that's what allows me to kind of not have a ton of issues. Right. Well, I, you know, it sounds like you've trained your gut, you know, it's, yes. if you know, an age grouper might train their gut on race day, <laughs> right? <laughs> I think, you know, the, the gut can be trained. You're doing that. It sounds like on a weekly basis. Exactly. So that increases your chances of success. And I think, you know, for age groupers, it might be a little bit harder if you can't carry all your fuel. I think in a triathlon, normally there's ways to carry your fuel, but you know, on the run course, maybe they're only serving one beverage, but you know, when you sign up for that race, you can kind of look up what the, the sponsors are and you can start to train your gut. Um, or you can figure out a way how to, uh, carry all of your, your fuel. Um, you know, on my long runs, I have this awesome, it's called a pocket bra. And so it has like 12 pockets and I just like put all my nutrition everywhere and, um, I'm good to go. Yeah, absolutely. So what about before a race? What's your nutrition look like leading into a race? Yeah. Um, I normally eat oats as like my final meal, um, Mm -hmm. oatmeal. And, um, we normally at races, Pat and I travel with a rice cooker and we can make rice in it. So we have like dinner the night before in the hotel room. We normally just, um, like steam some vegetables with the rice and then, um, buy some other fixings at the grocery store to make it a a complete meal. And then the next morning make the oats in the rice cooker. So for us, like I I had food poisoning once before a race and that just kind of made me realize like if I can control this, uh, I'm going to. And so, yeah, that like before a race, I like to have like rice the night before, um, with some meat protein. Um, and then the day of, I like to have oatmeal. And I also, with these later races with, uh, running when I don't start until 9 PM, it's a little bit different. Um, and sometimes, uh, actually this past year, I've just tested out having just like guacamole, um, basically avo toast, uh, avocado toast. And and that worked really well as my last meal as well. Right. Followed by a big coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Especially when my bedtime's normally eight. Yes. And there's a 10 PM race. (laughs) Yeah. Under the lights. Yeah. Super. Um, okay. How about on the mental side of things? Um, how, how have you been this year? You know, have you stayed motivated? Has it been hard through COVID? The Olympic trials are in June, 2021. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it got moved exactly a year back and, I think everyone's kind of struggled this year, but for me, sport has been the one constant. You know, there was a time when I wasn't even able to work out with my teammates, so I was doing solo workouts, but I still, every Tuesday, every Friday, I had my workouts. I did my speed endurance workout on Tuesday. I did my endurance workout on Friday. I did my long run on Sunday, and it just gave me peace of mind, and it gave me structure when so many things around me I couldn't control and you just didn't know what next week would bring. Um, and so that was something, you know, I felt thankful that we still were able to get outside. And I also have a treadmill in my house so I could run on Zwift if I didn't feel comfortable with COVID or smoke or whatever going outside. And so I also took it as the approach of whatever I do this year, even if I can't race, I know that it's carried over into the future years and will make me a better athlete. And I'm probably one of the few athletes with all honesty, that was like, it was probably better for me, um, that Mm -hmm. the Olympics were postponed a year. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, just having Stanley and then having surgery and just having an extra year, I think, um, will actually be really good for me. Yeah. I mean, you had your surgery. Was that in 18, 19? Yeah, it was in May of like two Mays ago. So yeah, in, yeah. in yeah, eight, 2018. And or that was 2019, on your, 2019, 19. And that was on your heel. That's right. Yep. And you were, that's been great. You're happy with the, with progress with it and you're. Yeah. So I had a Hagelin's deformity, which is like a bone overgrowth. And that was, um, basically cutting into my Achilles every time I took a step. And, um, I just got to a point where I knew I couldn't perform at my best because of where I was. And that's when I was like, I need to have surgery. And I knew it, it took a lot for me to decide to have surgery. I had to come to the point of if I don't have, like, if I have this surgery and can't run, that's a risk I'm willing to take because right now I basically can't run either. Um, but yeah, I mean, it took a, it took a lot longer to recover than I thought, but I've been super happy. Like, yeah, I mean, I can walk around the house. I can, I didn't like, I wasn't able to hop on one leg for probably close to a year. And so I can do that. And like, I can just do the basic things I need to do to run. Have you ever had experience or work with sports psychologists? Yeah. Um, I, I, I've done quite a bit. I guess I started like, I actually remember, I remember as a young kid asking my mom to see a sports psychologist because I wanted to become a better swimmer. Like, I mean, I was young, I was wow. like middle school and yeah. I remember she was just kind of like, what? Like, <laughs> just like, you know, cause I need it mom. Yeah. Like nobody ever thought I'd be an Olympian in my family. Like that was never a goal, but I just had this like internal drive and like, I wanted to kind of leave no stone unturned, like check every mm-hmm. avenue off. But it, I think it's like psychologists can maybe sometimes get a bad rap. And I think people who see psychologists are super strong. Um, and, and for me, just a sports psychologist has helped me so much. It helped me. There's like one or two t- key takeaways that just like transform me. Um, you know, like in, in swimming, I remember in, in triathlon and swimming, I just felt like I, I didn't know how to swim in the swims when everyone's swimming on top of me. I, I thought like, mm. I, I can't do that. I don't want to be somebody that's like being aggressive and all these things. And, and the psychologist, sports psychologist kind of made me think like, okay, well, why don't we start using the word like assertive or like hold my space and, and those sorts of cues, like just turn everything around to me. And I'm like, okay, yes, I can go into a race and I'm not going to say I'm going to be aggressive because I don't want to be aggressive, but I'm going to say, I'm going to hold my space. And that's something that allowed me to not do what I was previously doing, which would be if somebody hit me, I just kind of back off and say, okay, go ahead, your turn. Um, and, and so like little mental cues like that, I learn a lot. And right now I'm working a lot on just like, uh, on, on my break, I've been working a lot on like how to push through and, and how to keep going when, when you don't want to, when you want to quit and you think you have nothing else in you. And, um, you know, w- one tip that I've kind of been playing around with is, you know, a lot of like, if you're in the middle of like a five mile tempo and you can say, okay, you got to, you normally want to fractionalize it or break it up. And so breaking it up. And if there's a point where you're like, oh, I can't, can't make another mile. I can't make another K just break it into like a crazy short time, like make it another three steps. 
and Mm -hmm. get to three steps and then say, okay, can I make it two steps? And then just like, I've been playing around with that sort of idea. Um, so yeah, I've been, I've been working a lot, um, with sports psychology and I think it helps immensely. Anybody can benefit from having a stronger mind, if you will, within the sport, especially on the swim start. Like you mentioned, that's such a a big stressor for so many people. How about shoes? Nike sponsored, right? Um, what's your favorite, what's your, your long run shoe? So because I've had Haglund's, um, I like shoes without heel cups, um, just so that there's nothing that's rubbing against my heel. Um, even though everything's fine now, I just still have this obsession, I guess, of like having mm-hmm. no heel cups. So, um, the two shoes that, um, kind of have no heel cups are the infinity reacts, which, um, they're actually like Nike coins them as like the, um, like injury prevention shoe. Um, and then the other one, um, are just the zoom flies. And so I normally wear one of those on the long run, just cause it's also, it, it makes me feel a little bit faster. They're not super heavy. Um, and, and for me on a long run, you know, sometimes we're trying to do some work in there as well. So it's kind mm-hmm. of like a mix. It's not quite a race shoe. Um, but it's also not like a full on heavy training shoe. So are you doing a much lighter shoe that's track specific on the track? So on the track, I'll either wear like the, um, four percenters or the next percenters if we're doing some longer work, or I'll do, I have some like spiked flats or just spikes. And, you know, I think that's something that's been a huge change from when I was in high school and Eric, sorry, not high school, college when I ran, um, you know, we'd never spike up in practice. And even in triathlon, like when I did workouts, I wouldn't put on my race shoes except for races. And um, I remember in college, we'd get to a race and I'd like do a 5K and my calves would be just trashed. Um, And and now like because I do that work throughout the year, I get to a race and it actually I'm able to recover faster. I mean, it's really hard on your feet. Um, And, you know, I, I wouldn't recommend it for everyone. But like as a pro athlete, I'm also then that day you know, making sure I'm doing all my mobility, that I'm, you know, getting everything stretched out, make sure that I'm getting my, um, massage or whatever it is, um, at hot bath or like I'm doing all my recovery. And that's what I think allows me to wear kind of those spikes for week after week in training. I got a question on the long run. How are you guys keeping pace? Is it, you know, a coach on a bike? Do you have a pace setter or are you, do you have, one mile splits. Walk me through how you're keeping pace. And that it might be different by different routes. I'm not sure. Exactly. It depends on where we're located. Um, so there's two routes that we kind of do here in Portland and and one of them is marked every half mile and the other mm. is marked every quarter mile. And and normally when we do this on a long run, we normally um kind of stay away from the markings for the first half of the run. And then when we have to like when coach gives us like a pace then we kind of go to the markings and start tracking them. And, um, coach is actually out there sometimes as well, um, on the bike. Um, so yeah, a little bit of both. How about to coaching? You've had several coaches through your career, different sports. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, how do you know when you, when you found the right coach? I mean, I, I, this is more advice for, for listeners, but what should people look for in a coach? What do you look for in a coach in that relationship? Yeah, I think, um, you know, you definitely want to have like an interview and you want the coach to be interviewing you and you want to interview the coach. It needs to be a good fit. Everyone has different philosophies around coaching. And I would also say, um, 
you know, talk to some of the other athletes that the coach either has coached or is coaching. I think they have some really good advice on just um, what they like or don't like. And, you know, be curious, ask a lot of questions. Um, and, and, and for coaching, like something I really like, like maybe not everyone likes this, but I like a coach that teaches the athletes how to perform and how to, how to do everything so that when, when race day comes, it's almost like you don't even need your coach there. Mm, and yeah. and that's something that I'm a big believer in and, and something that I, I think it's challenging and it's hard at times to, to have that sort of relationship when you're super tired and you're like, I just want the answer coach, like, just tell me exactly what to do. But I think, um, you can perform your, I can personally perform my best with coaches who kind of teach me along the way so that when race day comes, I know what to do. Right. So like an educator that's exactly. helping you be self, self-supporting. Yep. Yes. Yeah. And you've had Jerry now in college and now as a pro. <laughs> yeah. And he, he was actually, he actually coached the men's uh, team okay. when I was at Wisconsin, but for okay. some reason we talked a lot when I was in college and I don't know if it was because we were both from Waukesha, Wisconsin or, or what it was, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I remember I'd, you know, in college you have offices and I remember I'd go to my coach's office like once a week and I'd always stop in Jerry's and just see what he was doing. And all I remember is like, every time I talked to Jerry, he'd have like a bag full of like what looked like bird food that he was eating. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why I have that memory, but I do. And I just, I think of it every time I see Jerry. (laughs) Wow. That's cool. This is awesome. Well, I'd like to wrap up with uh, advice for young athletes. Um, You definitely started endurance athletics at a very young age, had an amazing journey. What kind of advice would you give to, you know, young junior athletes looking to want to be pro someday? Oh, where to start? There's just so Mm. much advice. Um, You know, I think one thing that I did poorly when I was younger, but I don't know how I would have changed this. I think people tried to make me change it, but I was so immersed in, in being an athlete. So my identity was my athlete identity. And as I grew older and became a triathlete and, and Jamie uh, Turner, my triathlon coach and Bobby McGee really helped me differentiate that I am more than just an athlete. And that helped me in so many ways, not only in my performance, but in other things like, um, just like, fan base. I don't know. I think I, I was more accommodating once I realized like I'm more than an athlete. And, and so I think pulling yourself away from that, having time away from sport where you come home and you don't just dwell on or celebrate the, the, whatever happened in training, like you can't compare what happened today to what happened last week because you're, you're not able to, it's like the TSS score on, on training peaks. Like that's the closest you can get to like how you're going to like how your performance is, is related to your fatigue. But like mm-hmm. as an athlete, you don't really have that realization of like, Oh, this week isn't going to be, it's not going to be better every single time because you have accumulation of different stressors and it's in a different cycle of your training and all these things. So I think that's kind of like super important and focus on the process instead of the outcome is something that's hard to do, but but really important. And I think that kind of allows you to not get so wrapped up in outcomes, you know, especially as a swimmer growing up, everything was on a time cycle. Everything was just glued to the clock. And I remember one of the first swimming sessions I did with Jamie as a triathlete, he gave us no intervals. 
he was like, all right, you know, six fifties, 10, one hundreds. And I'm like, okay, what's the interval? He's like, no, you just have to do it. And I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. Like, just like understanding that not everything is tied to an outcome and realizing like you should maybe be focusing on form or you're going to practice the mentality of what you want, um, on race day and practice. And, and so focusing on these techniques, um, is more important than the outcome. And if you can execute on the processes, then your outcomes will come. Uh, I guess I have so many things for young athletes. Yeah. I think it's also important to like not be afraid to ask questions and be curious. Um, you need to believe, and this kind of goes back to like, how do you pick a coach? But like, you need to have a hundred percent faith in your coach. Um, and you need to, um, trust them on your journey, but also don't be afraid to ask, why are we doing this? Or how does this fit into the bigger picture? Or for me, I just really, I like understanding things. And I think that helps me become a better athlete. And so I think, you know, be curious, ask questions. Um, uh, and then as well, find a people to train with. I think that's something that's just like, as a kid, I think that's why I was so obsessed with swimming. My best friends are in swimming and I got to see them and socialize with them. And, you know, now with running, like it's my social time. And so I think find people to train with because it's fun, but then also don't be afraid to find people who are better than you to train with um, and to kind of look at them and think, what do they do? How can I emulate them? And and what makes them good at whatever their specialty is? And I like to be pushed by the best people so that I know kind of like what the standard is. So I think it's really fun to have a group. And right now that might not be the best time during COVID <laughs> to find a, a group to train with. But um, I think it's super important to to just make it fun. And also I think it helps you become a better athlete. Well, I frame that as advice for young athletes, but I think that's true. What you <laughs> mentioned is is great advice for any age of athlete. Uh, I mean, it sounded like you're more than an athlete, you know, that creates longevity. You can learn from many others process, you know, learn the process, trust the process more than the outcome, focus on the process, ask questions and have fun. Yeah. Awesome. Hey, thank you so much, Gwen. That was amazing. I love that. Hopefully the listeners liked it and hopefully we answered, uh, some people's questions as well. Yeah. Super. Well, um, Really look forward to following you as as it, as we progress into 2021. Thank you so much for your time, and we wish you the best of luck. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Training Peaks Coachcast. For more episodes, visit trainingpeaks.com/podcasts. Please head on over to Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you find your podcast to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Until next time, get out there, train with purpose, and never be afraid to sign up for that next big challenge.